Hi. Hi. Welcome to a... Ah, f*** you. We've <laughs> <laughs> trying to do this for about 10... <laughs> Good. Good. Hi. Now I've got to deal with Jeffrey laughing it up. Okay. Okay. I think I'm... It's just this. This is the Concast. Concast 15. Tiddle takes an hour to try and introduce the Concast. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another Concast. This is the 15th one, and it's also the 15th time I've tried to introduce it. I'm not Josh. <laughs> Sorry, Tiddles. <laughs> yeah, you're all going to die. All of different circumstances. <laughs> I'm not Josh. Josh isn't here. Josh has a life, as you've noticed, and I don't, which is why I'm usually in this. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to run this, and hopefully, with a little luck, it won't be a complete, utter disaster. Um, with me today are Laz, Neil, and DP. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. Hello. I'm Hi. really excited to be here. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a thrill every single time. So we'll start, as we usually do, by asking everybody, what the heck have you been doing since last time? But what have you been doing in a mostly gaming-related sense before we get loads of stories about manholes again? Uh, I can talk about uh, manholes for hours. So, uh, Laz, what have you been playing or doing? If uh, I'm playing a couple different things, but I guess the, the one that's recent is uh, Disgaea D2 for the PS3. It um, it's it's weird, crazy anime tactical RPG, and you probably are. If you when I said the word Disgaea, you probably already knew whether you're going to like this game or not. It's uh, is that the one that's like that came out after Tactics, and everyone said, "Hey, this is a bit like Tactics. You should play this because it's like Tactics." There yes. are a number of games like that, but the, this that is something people said. Yes, that's and the one. It's really silly, but I I really enjoy Disgaea, so I'm having a good time. Are there penguins? Yes, there are penguins that explode when you throw them, and they have two peg legs. That sounds like animal abuse, and there's no way I would ever play a game that had animal abuse in it. I've always found it a bit weird, actually. If I'm playing something like an FPS, I have absolutely no qualms about shooting down rows and rows of people, possibly innocent people, but... If, if you end up shooting a cat or something, it's like, no, little cat, that's not fair. Yeah. By, uh, by uh, what is it in, in Pokemon? Team Plasma? Is that it? Poke- Why are we talking about Pokemon? Because I don't know. that's the team or organization or whatever the heck they're called that object to the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, in, in, uh, in black and, and white, like it's, it's... Slaves. Like, I mean, it's essentially dog fights. That's Plasma. <laughs> Yeah, that's Except plasma look, from look. black and white. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, Pokemon is essentially living the Michael Vick lifestyle. How do your morals feel now, Neil? <laughs> okay, no more. There's, we're going to say no more about Pokemon for the rest of the contest. That's Whoa, it's a decree. Hey, Can I Neil, talk what game I'm playing? Yeah, <laughs> me. Yeah, go. I'm, what are you playing? I'm playing Pokemon. No. Think about, think about, <laughs> so if you haven't heard of it, it's this simulator where you're really nice to your animals and you don't make them fight and you just kind of like pet them. And that's pretty much the whole game. Anyway, I have Pokemon X and it is wonderful. And I like my team a lot. And uh, Tiddles will get mad at me if I say too much. But it's because he doesn't want any spoilers because he's really looking forward to playing it. Um, I'm, just, I'm just in love with the Pokemon. But my favorite part well, not my actual favorite part, but the part that makes me laugh the most is where you can go in and like pet your Pokemon, but they get really, really mad at you if you pet them in the wrong spot, and you can only just use your imagination and decide what I do with that. <laughs> but I, no, I, I really don't want to. No, I have a frog on my team, and if I like stab him in the eye and like rub his eye, he gets really happy. For some reason, he likes that a lot. Okay. Fair he enough. doesn't like it when I... Never mind. Jeffrey, your turn. Um, I am, uh, I'm still, uh, going through, uh, Bastion, so that's, uh, that's pretty fun. I don't, uh, I play maybe a total of 10, 15 minutes per day, so sometime roughly, um, at the end of the decade, I will probably finish the game. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm enjoying that so far. There you go. Well, I guess I think we've gotten through the, uh, <laughs> the what are you playing part. Uh, oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, we have. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Maybe oh. we should ha- ask Tiddles what he's playing first. Oh, I'm sorry, Tiddles. <laughs> Rude. We, we were talking about nothing, so I assumed that we were done, but... Oh, that's what you've been playing, isn't it? You've been playing your <laughs> Sorry. Pretend I didn't say anything. Tiddles! So what are you playing this last week or so? Well, I, I will ask the questions. Tiddles, what have you been playing this last week or so? Ask yourself. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I've been playing... I've been finishing... Grand Theft Auto 5, which I also talked about last time, so I won't go into a great deal of detail on it, but having finished the story, uh, yeah, it was really great. It was certainly a lot of humour. They brought back a lot of the kind of funnier side of things where forward had been a little bit more kind of serious and, and moralistic. This was just kind of three weirdos doing horrible and funny things. The criticism I did have by the end of it was uh, I felt like the plot wasn't always very cohesive. And I I tried to pin down what it was that troubled me a bit. And I think what it was is that in most of the games, in most stories in general, you feel like you're kind of driving towards something and there, there's a goal that all your people are aiming at achieving. And in this case, it more felt a bit like a lot of things that were happening. And they happened in sequence, but... It didn't feel like we were kind of aiming anywhere all the time. It's one of those things like, you know, when they used to make films and people would say the film was ahead of its time. And actually what they meant was that the film didn't really make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those films that have a plot that isn't quite a plot that people say, oh, it's ahead of its time. But actually it was just a bit weird. Shall we move on to the actual topic of today? Yeah, sure. Um, Given the kind of rambling email we got about the topic, it... wait, did someone actually Ooh. reply to the mailbag, or is this just us emailing each other? No, it came in the mail. It was in the mail. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, our, you, uh, just take uh, take it away, DP. Come on, let's go. Yeah, let, let, a con viewer called uh, Beth Brenalty has uh, has mailed yes. it with well, a great so topic already. Here. The death penalty is going to explain for us for some reason. Oh, Go ahead. Complete coincidence, though. Um, Yeah, so I guess, especially, it's something that I've been thinking about, especially with the the new consoles coming out. And we're reaching a point, really, where, um, where, uh, and we've mentioned this on previous contests, uh, concasts, I know you have titles, but where the the next system isn't going to be really a revolution in graphics. Um, It's, it's really more of, you know, a bit of a tweaking in the sense that already we're at a sort of state um, as far as graphic technology is concerned where we presently have some really hyper-realistic capabilities. It it can still get better, as we've seen from things like uh, Agni's philosophy that Square Enix showed um, at the last E3 or two E3s ago. But anyhow, um, yeah, it's, it's... interesting to reflect, I think, on, on, say, a decade ago where um, there were a lot of technological limitations, and as a result, style was a lot more important. Um, you could only do so much, and so you had to uh, sort of adapt a style in order to um, get your presentation. Uh, whereas now it seems a lot of the major titles um, go for that hyper-realistic mode instead. So that's sort of the the basic prompt. Um, yeah, sort of boiling it down more or less. Um, hyper-realism please do, please do. Stylism, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Artistic kind of endeavor versus trying to make everything look absolutely like it might in real life. Yeah. Well, so I've, I've got an interesting thing that I thought of when I read this. And the thing I thought of when I read this goes back even further, which is, appropriately enough, Final Fantasy games on the PS1. I, I used to argue with people back in the day that um, FF7 had better graphics than FF8. And people would say, well, what are you talking about, Tiddles? That's crazy. FF8's got all the, like, it's, it looks like people and they're the right size and they don't change shape every couple of scenes and all this kind of stuff. And that's true. Uh, 
8 had a consistent visual style in the way that 7 didn't, and it aimed for a more realistic style. Than they 7. had hands. They had hands, amazingly <laughs> Trivial <enough>. details. <laughs> but, and this is the big but, so to speak, yeah. the I technology like they used to render that, I felt was very lacking. And you know, Neil's familiar with my um, complaints and head-scratching over Renault's triangular legs. The whole thing just didn't look... <laughs> they didn't have the visual fidelity to make that look real. One but, giant triangle. <laughs> one giant triangle, exactly. But if you were to go back to FF7 and you look at those super-deformed characters they used in the field scenes, they worked really well. They were expressive in the exaggerated movements they gave... Um, the kind of color shading made them look really distinctive, and you could, you know, you could easily tell the characters apart. You, there's no question of who was who. It's not like it was really kind of one pixel low fidelity, but they came up with a style that they could that kind of fit with the hardware they were using, and they kind of ran with it and made it kind of look good and look kind of stylistically rather nice and i always loved the kind of battle scenes as well and they had these kind of exaggerated camera sweeps and animations yeah, so I, yeah. they just went down the whole thing but uh, i say the thing ff8 kind of did better was making it a bit more consistent it was jarring that the fact that you switch between different uh, you know different classes of models all the time I, you know i'd rather they just maybe stuck with something in the middle but oh. i think the point remains that, that they they produced something of a style rather than trying to go crazy like they did with 8 and trying to make it too real. And 9, interestingly, I think, did a kind of nice best of both worlds, both worlds thing. Yeah. They had this whole... They had a kind of stylistic look to it, but at the same time they kept that inter-scene mm-hmm. consistency and they kept the better shading and texture mapping and all this sort of stuff. So 9 ended up looking really good. Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it's interesting going... Um, if you look at Final Fantasy VII um, and eight and nine too, they all operate sort of on the idea of we'll have the characters be our sort of three-dimensional folk, and then the, the backgrounds are all pre-drawn. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting to compare that to there's there's a couple games. Uh, Grandia is Grandia is one of them uh, where it does the exact opposite of that, where uh, the, the... The, the, Grand, the Grandia environments look were so terrible to navigate. <laughs> because the, because there um there was no you can, uh, you can rotate the camera though well, yeah that, that's what makes it hard there's no there's no like static map and you can rotate the camera so it's you get lost in corridors very easily <laughs> but I, I I see what you mean there's um that's sort of almost the inverse of what the <clears throat> FF um games on the PS one yeah do. and it's oh it's a, it's a particular style of 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 presentation too I think I mean Grandia feels very different as a game because yeah. of that different graphic setup you almost, than what, you almost feel like like drawn characters walking through an environment made of Legos, since everything is are these very sharp, low texture polygons. Mm-hmm. I remember. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the poor guy's name now. I feel so. Uh, Silver Lance or Rune Lancer, if you were on any other message board. I seem to remember oh, when he was around, he was developing a um, sort of 3D RPG with 2D sprites on it. Which I don't know. It, it looked. It was interesting, it, and I felt like, well, I don't know, I would have had to see it in motion to really get an idea. I often felt with things like that, it can look a bit uh, like you've got cardboard cutouts wandering around. Certainly things like uh, Mario Kart 64 is an example that had a, a kind of 3D world and just sprites splatted on top of it, which they kind of got away with most of the time. But And that was interesting, because for all that using sprite work, they were just 3D models that just had 2D renders of them taken at different angles, so I can only assume yeah. they did that for performance reasons. But I yeah, guess uh, the limitations sorry. that they had to work with were sort of... Yeah. Uh, this, the, this visual style, yeah, in a large way, does sort of stem from, from the limitations yeah. that they had to work with. <clears throat> now, one, one thing you mentioned as part of this topic is... Um, how handhelds fit into this. And it kind of ties into what we discussed with handhelds uh, uh, the last couple of times we did that concast. Um, 
it's the, I, I, I think it's sort of obvious why uh, why there's typically more stylism and less realism on handhelds. For one thing, yeah. um, like uh, realistic visuals are very appealing to a large audience. I mean, case in point, Grand Theft Auto Five just broke every single relevant game sales record with, and it's it features its hyper realistic graphics as a yeah. as a major talking point. And uh, and generally, and the games that and the games that beat were, I mean, again, more games. Of yeah, that exactly. Hyper realistic thing. Sorry. So, like a lot, a lot of the games that go for hyper realism, perhaps including recent Final Fantasy games in the thirteen dash whatever ilk, are uh, are basically large budget games trying to appeal to as many people as possible. And but what you have. Uh, a game that's very stylized, like I'm I don't know, like your Okami's or your uh uh or your Bastions or your or your you know, handheld cartoonier games. Um both they have smaller budgets, are meant to appeal more to a niche audience than a very, very wide audience. And are also I mean if it's on a handheld then it doesn't have quite the um, processing power of a game that's on one of the major consoles, so it's it's logical that the that handhelds would have you know uh, less realistic graphics because of budgetary concerns, processing power, a more niche audience. It just makes sense. Well, you can flip that on its head in a way, and you could, I suppose, argue that maybe some of the big console titles and the publishers of those titles think well you know maybe we'd like to do a more unique style maybe we'd like to push the boat out but with with the kind of graphical power there and what people have come to expect from these machines we kind of have to go down the route of making everything look as kind of high definition right. realistic as possible that that's... maybe it's not just a thing of maybe you know maybe developers would rather be a bit more kind of crazy with it but it's just like, nope, you've got to do this. This is how we sell it. That's, that's probably true. And what I immediately think of with that is uh, 10 years ago, or maybe 11 by now, when Zelda Wind Waker came out, mm. you have this gorgeous-looking uh, yeah. Ze- gorgeous Zel- Zelda, ga- Zelda game with you know, cell shading and really expressive, stylized visuals. And it's, it's I mean, uh, public opinion over the years has been very positive towards Wind Waker, but at, at the time yeah. there was... A public yeah. outcry: Why isn't this dark and more and more realistic looking the way Ocarina was? And mm-hmm. like practically the, the the Nintendo's response to that was coming out with Twilight Princess three or four years later, with which had which ha- was a darker game with more regular proportions and Link more looked like a human and less like the elf that wanted to be a dentist in Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, Wind Waker is a great example. I mean, Wind Waker was a little bit, but it had yeah, um, people. People have come around on Wind Waker, and now it has an oh, HD yeah. version, and people are going nuts about that. And it, I still, and it still holds up. It looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I, I can remember that, at the time actually kind of being on the fence about that and thinking, you know, I don't. I think for me, it was not so much that it was um, that I kind of rejected cell shading as a whole or the style they got, which, I mean, there's no denying it looks really nice, but there was sort of this kind of expectation from the next big Zelda of what that would look like. Well, and there's and, always the threat of when you actually have something different than what you're used to, that that's going yeah. to become the new norm. Yeah. I mean, if you took if you took the sequel to GTA 4 and then Rockstar decided to make the whole thing, I don't know, uh, this totally stylized, cell shaded, um, weird kind of comic-y style adventure, for instance. Uh, you know, I think people would just kind of—it might be the best thing they've ever done, but people would just bulk at it. But just kind of—it's not what they expect, right? Yeah. But it is now. Regard, like I mean, Twilight Princess. Eh. Whereas Wind Waker is, you know, there's been a total. I mean, the thing that people clamored for then is now sort of something that's uh, not to say that Twilight Princess was bad, but I mean, it seems I'm, to me that critical opinion is definitely in favor of Wind Waker. I, I wish that there was some mythical Zelda game that had uh, dungeons as good as Twilight Princesses and visuals as good as Wind Waker's, 
But I mean, th- those two games are. I think they're both pretty good Zelda games, but they but they have different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but anyway, um, I'll get moving away from Zelda, I guess. They're like, I, I think um, Wind Waker has basically stood the test of time because it's it it you know it is so good on its own that event that eventually people came just came around and like wait a second why did i hate why did i hate this this is this is gorgeous this is fun it, it moves great yeah. and it's a unique stylistic experience i think yeah so um I, I it's there are several games that feel like twilight princess but not really any have that same sort of visual appeal that uh that yeah, like, yeah. Games like Okami and Wind Waker are really in a class in, of their own. And well, here's a question though on the um, on the subject of kind of expectation and how that colors things. If you'd taken Wind Waker and you just wiped the name Legend of Zelda off that, and you change the green tunic, and you know you just changed enough details that it's not Legend of Zelda anymore, and it's just a standalone game called Wind Waker, but it's pretty much the same thing. Do you think that would have affected um, people's perception of it at the time and the kind of reaction it got at the time? It would not have been as popular because Zelda, the name Zelda automatically gets people lining outside your game stores. But I, I believe that the public perception would have been more positive. There, it wouldn't have yeah. had that outcry that uh, Wind Waker did when it came out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's it's right. a point. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's the sense that you can't bring people in on the name, but you also don't upset people because it doesn't live up to their perception of the name. I think it's interesting, too. Like, if we look at... If we go back to... um, This is a debatable point. I think, Tittles, I think you might have made this before, but I know one thing people will say is that there's a preference for the graphics of Final Fantasy IX, say... Um, compared to Final Fantasy X, and that's a divided point. Um, but I know I've heard it said. I don't know if you said it or not, Tittles. So if I'm putting words in your mouth, sorry. Um, I don't know. I might have. Because of the fact that Final Fantasy X goes for a very realistic, very properly proportioned graphic style, and it it's not bad, but there are you know clear you know noticeable flaws in sort of the uh, um, in just sort of the normal scenes. Uh, whereas Final Fantasy IX has, you know, detractions as well, and, and, you know, the proportions are off and stuff, but you've got some really well-drawn uh, uh, 2D backgrounds, and, you know, the character models work really well for what they're going for. So the the comparison sort of, in certain ways, it almost favors Final Fantasy IX, where yeah. for whatever Final Fantasy X advanced in, IX has there's a particular charm to the fact that it went for something visually and it, um, it sort of reached its goal in a way that I think Wind Waker did, but that you could say maybe Twilight Princess is in a similar well, you know, boat, a fancy time. You know, back on another forum back in the day when FF8 kind of developed, uh, sorry, FF10 development screenshots were coming out and, and uh, you know, bits and pieces were coming out about it. A friend and I basically used to make a series of jokes about it by kind of having the characters be more or less saved by the bell characters because it just looked to us like um Titus had this kind of uh you know Zach Morris haircuts and this kind of whole teenage look so we were just envisioning the whole thing as Final Fantasy saved by the bell. It was um, more Meg Ryan than anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true actually, but also slightly icky. Um <coughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think the kind of it to me it went a bit more back to the to the eight style of um, you know that kind of that more realistic in inverted commas look to it the, the, the standard proportions the fact these are kind of more human looking characters but obviously they had they had the power to uh, achieve that in a much better way but, but yeah. to me that, that that was always less interesting um, and. I, I, it's not one of the reasons I really mentioned for not getting into ten, but I think it did have an impact. It just didn't. It didn't grab me in the same way. I mean, I, I know some people that they kind of did a good job with the graphics and what they did with them, but in a sense, yeah. if you're coming and to ten was fantasies, and you come to it, 
and you see the quality of the graphics on it compared to it. You see, you know, kind of some of the water effects they did and, and uh, the stuff at the beginning. You think, this looks amazing. But actually, by the time I came to look at it, I'd been playing PC games that had kind of advanced with the times as well. And, and the kind of the overall quality of the thing it was good. It was pretty, but it was nothing that kind of really wowed me in a way. Do you know what I mean? And that's, yeah, and I think that's because Final Fantasy X is. I think pretty readily accepted as like the best graphically of that period of that sort of early PlayStation Two, the first half, yeah. if not longer even in a PlayStation Two's life. There's a whole lot of other games that came out in the years after Final Fantasy X even that uh, aren't as good graphically, but you know their failings sort of are exaggerated versions of Final Fantasy X in mm. that way that they just yeah. don't quite reach it yeah ff10 was only 2001 and it's yeah. it still looks very sharp um yeah. i'm i'm curious to see what the the hd re-release looks like because apparently it's uh they've done some a, a lot more rebuilding from the ground up than uh than you would assume for a ps3 re-release of a game but any that's neither here nor there the uh the, the thing that that sort of brings to a point is that Almost every Final Fantasy game, main series game is, if not always, striving for realism because they've had their stylistic changes over the years, but is all, always looks gorgeous. Like Square Enix is one of those um, companies that you expect their cutscenes to be stunning and you expect the environments and characters to look great, for at least in a Final Fantasy game. It's... Uh, I mean, people lost their minds over the cutscenes in FF7, and and FF10 was way ahead of its time visually when it came out in 2001. And I yeah. and sort of bringing that and with that <laughs> expectation, bringing back to that Wind Waker talk a little bit earlier, I think that almost any Final Fantasy main series game is going to be shackled by those expectations, the way Zelda is, because people are always going to want this level of detail and beauty and pos- and sort of realism from a Final Fantasy game, and that might make future ones more inclined to go that high-budget, high-realism look and less inclined to go a more stylistic look that Tiddles would probably prefer. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone so, knows my yeah. feelings on that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fair point. You it's raise. in character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a um, fair point you raise. Well, you see, I wonder... I mean, this is the kind of disconnect. You've got Final Fantasy Thirteen that's actually, I think, sold well enough, right? It's it's not yeah. something you'd call a, a major sales failure, but well, on I, the other hand, yeah, you you, you compare it to it. It depends where they want to position themselves, really. I think it, the, the interesting thing about it is that no matter how well it's sold or whether it's made money for them, it, there's kind of outside of the Final Fantasy community, there's kind of a perception of it as an unpopular game, as a kind of it failed, it didn't really bring people in from outside of the genre or, or who weren't already into JRPGs. It's just perceived as a kind of it's a JRPG for JRPG people, sort of thing, if you know what I mean. Um, and I wonder if, yeah. well, I mean, I've always kind of made the argument that if they want to shake that, then they need to try something a little bit different in one way or another whether that's the visual style or not i mean i think that might be one way because if you look it's true that that expectation has grown up around final fantasy i think and obviously like so many things in the series it all comes back to ff7 and the success of that and the fact that that was built around this this kind of look of these stunning summons and cutscenes and visuals that that kind of went between the weird stylized graphics that, that I like. Um, but if you look back at 6, you know, we've, we've discussed FF6 at length in its whole own podcast, but much as the graphics were, and we did discuss this in the podcast, actually, the, the, the graphics were kind of strong for the SNES, and they were kind of very nicely consistent and likable and well put together. At the same time, they weren't. FF6 is probably not a game you'd remember most for its graphics, if you know what I mean. It was a big step up from four and five, but 
you compare it to something like Chrono Trigger, Seeking uh, Set Three, which obviously later games, but you know, it, it wasn't a tour de force in the same way. The thing that made it was the characters and the story and the kind of the bigness of the world and the environment and the, the plot line and all these sort of things. Uh, and I don't think uh, it sort of depends what they want to do. It depends if, given that they've made you know, presumably enough money, enough sales off this. The question is, is that enough? I, and I think if that's enough, then that's fine. But if it's not enough, if you're thinking, how am I going to capture more of the market? Then your only answer is to do something differently. And more stylized visuals might be one yeah. thing. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's hard to say if it will get sales or not. If they really want sales, they should probably just make... Uh, Final Fantasy 16 a mobile exclusive or something because <laughs> I mean it, that's what makes money is these days is the uh, is free to play microtransaction crap but <laughs> uh, have the opinion on that I mean I think what we need I, and I don't even know what, what Square Enix counts as successful sales anymore because there was that news story that came out um earlier this year that uh I think to, um, Tomb Raider was their biggest selling game of of 2012, and it sold about three and a half million copies. But that was still below expectations. Yeah. So um, there was that whole below expectations, despite a large number that made that that made some small headlines. So, like, what constitutes success for Square Enix? Is it is it um, sales like uh, versus its budget, or sales versus like? I don't know. It's it's hard to say, but fi- a Final Fantasy game has different expectations than a lower budget, more experimental, style uh, stylized game. And I think what if you really want uh, Square Enix to go back to a, a more stylized vis- visuals on a big name like Final Fantasy, you need to have those stylized visuals be successful somewhere else first to set a precedent. Yeah. Because otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't. They wouldn't risk it. Like, no, no. We need to do Final Fantasy how we've done Big Final Fantasy. Otherwise, people will be like, "What the hell is this?" So well, you may argue that that lack of risk taking is exactly why it gets that kind of yeah. negative perception. So they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. I think the problem they have is that what a lot of people basically in the back of their minds want to happen, and probably really what Square Enix in the back of their mind wants to happen, is just another FF7, in inverted commas. Or just making it 1992 again through magic. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, notwithstanding the impossible, uh, another FF7, I think, is what they kind of... They just want something that has that kind of penetration, so to speak, that kind of, you know, bam, everybody's got to play this. You know, it's it's interesting because we've already mentioned that the big games that like everybody plays do tend to be the you know the, the big Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto type. Yeah. None of the neither of those two titles have really innovated a whole lot in the last how many years? No, um, but there's always been at their core, that. and you would say the same of, of say like your your sports games or whatever that also move. Yeah. But um, it's interesting because. People still all buy those games, but those aren't the games that, like, they're excited for them to come out, you know, they, they play them a lot, but those aren't the games that you really hear, um, those aren't the ones that you hear people really getting excited about in the same way, I think, that people talk about a game like Journey when it comes out, that has a very particular, um, uh, visual style, um, or, or even games like, uh, I mean, I think Bastion did some of that, too. It's just making me wonder now, when, when we talk about stylized visuals and them kind of losing out in modern games, is that, is that because the, they're kind of forced by having to, you know, like we said, develop for hardware where people expect hyper-realistic visuals, but are they, is that stylism coming out in different ways? Is it coming out in the style of the game and the, and the, the concept and... You know the interaction of characters. Is it just that kind of graphics is no longer the part of the style that is the thing you you pour your heart and soul into? You know, you, you're pouring it into different gameplay design, different story design, this sort of thing. Well, 
Yes, I mean, it, 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 visuals, visuals don't make the game so much as the entire production makes the game. But I think that visuals are something that it's easy for fans to get hung up on because it's, I mean, it's, it's what you see. It's like, um, yeah. they, they, they're expect- yeah. like the visuals are tied to expectations, maybe even more so than gameplay traditions are tied to expectations. And what, and what it's going to take for a major series like Final Fantasy to have a major like visual uh visual change or a vi- stylistic change is to have a similar sci- stylistic change happen pr- previously and be a smashing success. Yeah. It, which is I mean it's why there are it's why Dragon Age 3 is going to be more like Skyrim. It's why there are so many Minecraft clones out there. It's because there was a predecessor that that created a demand for a certain new type of thing. Well, it's always been my argument that um, Square Enix's best bet is would be to stop trying to make a good Final Fantasy and just try and make a good game. Just take the name off, just take the nameplate off, and let people do something. It's, it's it's, I like think that's what they're doing about. with Bravely Default because Bravely yeah. Default okay. looks like a Final Fantasy game, and it looks like a totally charming 3DS RPG. Which, but uh, I mean, would we think of it differently if it had Final Fantasy in the title, even though it looks it 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 has, I mean, polygon graphics. It looks, it looks like a really, you know, a really nice handheld or maybe a really nice early PS2 game or something. But yeah, it's I, I, they they need these little experiments to do well in order for yeah. the larger, more budget heavy, more expectations heavy series to have any you know changes made. So we should all try yep. bravely default and see what we think. Can't argue with that. What do you think about the idea? That you might be able to mix stylistic graphics into hyper-realistic graphics. I mean, uh, if you think about, imagine a big blockbuster like GTA V, and imagine you just cell shaded that guy. Still got all the kind of detailed design, but kind of different. I don't know. I can't really picture that in my mind. No, it's it's not a great example because I'm just going to pick something out of the air, but. Well, like, I mean, the, the the whole thing about uh, I, I think one thing that ev- that any game with good graphics needs is visual consistency. Like everything yeah. should look like it fits in, and whether it's stylistic or hyper realistic, those aren't really terms that you can measure on a continuum. <clears throat> it's it, a game either looks good or it doesn't, and you describe it as hyper realistic or something else. It's I, 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 that's kind of a non answer, and I apologize for that. But, it's a difficult one to think of. I mean, I, yeah. I, I suppose the, the uh, one thing I, that's kind of coming to mind is um, if you think about some of the Unreal Tournament games, which nobody else has played UT3, but I, I think you'll be familiar with games with the concept. <laughs> it, it seemed like in UT3 you have a game where they really tried to give a certain look to it. And a lot of the a lot of the things they tried to do involve kind of post-processing effects that you kind of take something that's designed as like it's just a real environment and then you have things like kind of depth of field and distance blur and um, shaders that actually make the color either more vivid or more muted. I, I think a lot of games that are sort of perceived as just realistic, there's probably a lot more going on we realize in terms of the style uh, i mean if you've ever if you've ever been a film nerd and you've watched things like the director's commentary or, or things like the making ofs and this sort of thing and you see the actual film and then you see how they've changed the color of it and the, the way the whole scene looks by the time you see it on the screen that sort of thing happens in games too uh and if you look at if you were to look at GTA 4 and compare it to GTA 5, you'd say they're both trying to depict a kind of realistic style. But actually, if you look at the color of the sky and the world and the way things reflect and the whole kind of visual design, it's all slightly different to reflect the difference in the style, the atmosphere, the place you're in. I mean, if you look at San Andreas, the sky often looked uh, quite weird because it had this kind of bright orange hue to it. Because it was always sunset in San Andreas. <laughs> because it was always sunset. But the sunsets <laughs> didn't look... It was kind of an attempt to do a visual style that kind of fit in with the area, but it just looked a bit too neon. It just didn't quite look realistic at the time. But they've actually managed to achieve the same effect now with kind of better stuff. But 
Uh, are we perhaps being unfair by suggesting there isn't enough uh, is, yeah. stylism in current games when really the, the clever thing is that we don't notice it. We're just it's absorbing it without kind of reflecting this looks really stylized. That's true. Think, it's just more subtle. I suppose we don't know the answer to that because we can't tell. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about it, you, I mean, we would say that, I mean, even it's going across genres, yeah, but but looking at Call of Duty versus, you know, um, Final Fantasy Thirteen. they're both going for sort of a very realistic portrayal of characters, but the way they, they do have very different perspectives on that realism. And I think, to a large degree, the sort of objects that one is portraying will always reflect differently on that process of portrayal in the first place. Final Fantasy, it always seems to me, is a kind of... Um, things are going to be very vivid in it. No matter yeah, what, yeah. Um, you know, if you look at the color palettes of a Final Fantasy compared to, say, Gears of War, for instance, or, or Quake, the brownest game in history, then mm-hmm. everything's always very bright and colorful and bold. Um, and I suppose an element of stylism in Final Fantasy is you, you still have these kind of very anime, very smooth characters, if you know what I mean. The, you kind of you don't have anybody who's really grizzled. Well, a kind of grizzled Final Fantasy character is a guy who's maybe got a stylish scar on his cheek. You know what I mean? Are you saying that Final Fantasy is not manly enough? <laughs> well, I, well, you can make that inference if you want. I didn't say anything of the kind. <laughs> All right. But it's not Gears of War. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I mean, for better or worse, and I think a lot of people would argue for better. <clears throat> Okay, topic exhausted. <laughs> I was because I think it's interesting that when we look at the ones that, uh, like, if we look at the games that we think really nail a completely different style nowadays, things like I like I said, Journey, say, um, yeah, it's it's not just the style like we were saying earlier. It, it's sort of the style of the game that is then also expressed visually. So whereas, you know, in, you know, a, a decade ago in the late PS1 era, style was in large part shaped by the um, technical uh, uh, capabilities of the system. Now I think uh, you have the ability to make the style visually much more in keeping with the style um, sort of as far as the story is concerned or the world that's being portrayed. I mean, in Journey, that's why I think the visuals... Um, are so memorable because they do have such a great uh, merger with with the story that's being told, the way the story is being told, the way the gameplay works. So I, th- I guess, <laughs> to sum up that sort of winded point, I guess when we do see these sort of um, more subtle but yet substantial differences between games like um, Final Fantasy or Gears of War, I mean, that's not as subtle one, but the difference between, say, two Final Fantasy games even, uh, Final Fantasy XV when it comes out versus Final Fantasy XIII. Um, yeah, I think it's even 13. if they are more subtle, there is still a, you know, it, it stems from differences in the style of the game in a larger sense than just visual. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. The visual style is, is should fit in with the kind of design of the whole project if you like uh, yeah i mean the whole look the visuals should be consistent and the visual design of the game should serve the gameplay it's like the designers have something to say by designing a game a certain way and the visuals should you know just be part of that one component of the whole that is the game i think that's it. so then i guess another question do we think it's an issue maybe going forward um that that maybe there's a continued getting caught up in more of a realism, uh, that some of these distinguishing factors maybe fade um, as we get ever closer to something that looks like real people? Well, no. Um, there's always going to be the uncanny valley, and mm. and, and my, my first, my go-to exhibit A for what the uncanny valley is, is the Final Fantasy Spirits Within film from 10 or 15 years yeah. ago. So, like, I, I don't, I don't think that they're we're approaching the asymptote of true life with game visuals, but I mean, 
games still look good. Some look more real than others. I I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just I just want to play games that look different. <laughs> it's an interesting thing that you mentioned the spirits within, and this this sort of comes to quite an interesting point in this discussion. I think I can remember thinking, and I can remember quite a few people thinking when the spirits within came out, looking at it and thinking. This looks just almost real. If you didn't know it was CGI, and obviously you're watching it in standard death, as people would have done at the time, you wouldn't necessarily pick up, apart from just these very slight oddities that you can't quite process, that it's not real. Interesting thing is, I think if you look back at it now, I don't think that's true anymore. I think you can see the join a lot more easily. And that's one thing that I always find really interesting about uh, human perception, I guess. The more the more you see a level of technology trying to reproduce reality, the more you kind of see through it, if you know what I mean. The more you can see uh, see when it's how and why it's not real. You look back at things like um, the original Ghostbusters, and you look at some of the kind of animatronic stop-motion type stuff in that, and it just looks bad, but you probably watched it at the time and thought, yeah, it's a, it's a robot thing, yeah. it's fine. So I think there's always going to be... You, we'll look back at games we think today look hyper-realistic, and we'll probably look at them in 10 years and think, that looks like a dog's dinner. That's just so antiquated. Spirits Within has sort of aged sort of, sort of surprisingly well. I, uh, I watched it probably two or three years ago, and I'm like, oh, this isn't as creepy weird as I remember it being. <laughs> uh, so... I mean, yeah, I mean, our perceptions of what looks real and what doesn't look real are will change. But, uh, I mean, I mean, how are we going to, how can we predict the future like that, though? I mean, are we going to, are we going to have a new, you know, impressionist movement in games happen where every game is hyper stylized and, and, uh, no one cares about realism anymore? I mean, it's, it's a fool's errand trying to predict how we're going to perceive things differently when we haven't seen, you know, any movement to, that gives us any direction. I think that's true. I think, yeah, I think to speak very broadly, categorize it at the minute as if you're kind of developing down two strands, and DP has been kind of um, making this point as we go through. The fact you've got kind of more indie games and more handheld and more kind of lower budget kind of just have a go and try something different games are, as they're trying something different with the game, they're trying something different with the visual style as well. And you've got your kind of more high-budget, mainstream blockbuster stuff that's pursuing a kind of consistent realistic-ish style, albeit, you know, with its own character to it. And in a way, it's no different from things like movies in a way you know you've always got your kind of indie art house trying something different stuff and at the same time you're going to have bruce willis blowing up buildings yeah and And all the biggest budget movies are usually you know they they fit certain patterns and uh yeah and and everything yeah Mm. well i mean yeah Yeah, trendsetters will happen and not just visually but with but with gameplay and 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 everything else i think i would think that's probably going to be the trick to to where you start getting these kind of unique visual elements into um, more kind of bigger budget games is you're, you're going to have just the odd really successful indie game that's going to come out and it's going to do something whether it's gameplay or visuals or sound or whatever the heck it is. It's going to do something really interesting. And then everybody in one way or another, well not everybody but you're going to get a lot of games that incorporate pieces of that. I was just, I, I was just going to add that it's important to remember that in the case of both of those two really good examples, Minecraft and uh, Minecraft, I said the German version there. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we used to call it that in chat back yeah. in the day. Um, <laughs> and uh, in Borderlands is that, again, in both of them, the style is very authentic to the other aspects of the presentation. It fits in with the style of humor uh, and kind of wackiness of Borderlands. Um, in Minecraft, it's a game about building. What better way to you know build things than go to you know, practically square one Legos, you know? So they're really, I think where the success meets the quirkiness in the graphics is, uh, I guess when the visual presentation just really clicks with what they're doing otherwise, maybe. The interesting thing about Minecraft is it it kind of feeds into the discussion 
we had a couple of weeks ago about the way um, kind of the the level of detail and depth and breadth in games is in some ways inversely proportional to the graphical fidelity you have to render it with. The, the kind of size of worlds and the performance you need to kind of produce that and keep that running with Minecraft is you almost need to have some very stylized low-end-ish graphics for that. I think that yeah, I don't think you can I don't think anyone can truly say that they don't care about graphics. I think at some level everyone yeah. cares about graphics and it might just be graphics in so much as uh, it's another facet of the overall presentation of the game, but yeah, I, th- I think the claim that you know it's possible to ignore the graphics or, or something like that, I think is uh, is something that our discussion has thoroughly uh, thrown <laughs> out, if nothing else. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. No, I think we've um, I-, I think we've covered some interesting stuff there. Certainly more things than than I kind of had in mind with this topic, and some some interesting. No, I can't sum this up. I don't know. We we want our games to look good, but also maybe look a little more different than they look now. Yeah, there you go. That's a no, nice I summary. Think, I think we've had some too that you know the relation yeah. of the visual presentation to yeah. the overall presentation. I think is one thing. No, absolutely. Have. I I think we've had a good discussion. It's just hard to kind of. I think Laz has summed it up best, and I think yeah. I think the interesting thing to do is having had this discussion. When you go and look at a, a blockbuster AAA title or, or whatever it is, or something you think this is just trying to portray the world as it is, try and uh, think about the things it is doing that are tailoring that world to its own style. So, good. Thanks, everybody. This has been Swell as Hell. <laughs> Well, all right then, friends. Uh, it's time for my cameo to wrap things up. Thanks a lot for listening to the Concast, and we hope you enjoyed this one as well. Uh, as usual, you can find us pretty much anywhere, cavesandarch.com or any of your big social media sites. I have no idea what you're listening to right now because uh, I have a life and I don't have this all put together yet, but I'll try to find something nice and recognizable for you. Thanks a lot. See you soon. <laughs>